Well, thank you again for joining us at Signal Church. We are so grateful to have the opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with you. Well, after a week off of our sermon series called Unstoppable, we're back looking at the first Christian church in the book of Acts. So we have the four gospels, the four stories of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then we have the book of Acts, which is the story of the first church, kind of the movement of early Christianity. Now for more than 2,000 years, the Christ-centered church has survived and thrived because of one thing, actually one person, and that's Jesus Christ. See, the desire of the church, really of every church, should be to help people to know and to follow Jesus because in Him, in Jesus Christ, there is freedom, there's hope, there is life, and in Jesus Christ, there is unconditional love. See, sometimes I'll meet people and when they hear that I'm a Christian or if they hear that I'm a pastor, they'll say something like, you know, what are you going to try to do now? Like convert me? And I, and I want to say, and sometimes I do say like, yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to convert you because Jesus changes lives. And we saw that, you know, as we've gone through this book of Acts, we've seen that even for many of us in our own lives, how Jesus radically transforms us from the inside out. See, the church as I said a second ago, has prevailed, has prevailed for over 2,000 years because, listen, because normal people, normal everyday people like me, normal everyday people like you, have conversations about Jesus with other normal everyday kind of people. See, we have conversations about Jesus, and, and these conversations about Jesus are catalysts to life change. They're catalysts to life change. See, in Acts 16, the passage we're going to look at here in a few minutes, in Acts 16, we read about three, three gospel conversations with three different types of people. See, all three have different identities. All three have different stories. All three have different socioeconomic backgrounds. But all three needed Jesus. All three needed Jesus, and all three would experience, as we'll see here in a minute, transformation in Jesus. So what I want to do is I want to read the first of the three stories, and then we'll look at the other two as well. But I just want to read the first one here to get us started. And then I'm going to pray, and we'll move through this passage. So I'm in Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 16, verses 9, and we're going to read verses 9 through 15. During the night... Paul had a vision in which a Macedonian man was standing and pleading with him, cross over to Macedonia and help us. After he had seen the vision, we immediately made efforts. We, that's Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke. Luke, the writer of the book of Acts. After he had seen the vision, we immediately made efforts to set out for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, the next day to Napolis, and from there to Philippi, a Roman colony and leading city of the district of Macedonia. We stayed in that city for several days. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the city gate by the river. 
where we expected to find a place of prayer. Now notice they're in Philippi. There's no synagogue. There's no temple. There's just people meeting at the city gate praying. We sat down and spoke to some of the women gathered there. And a God-fearing woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, was listening. The Lord opened her heart to respond to what Paul was saying. After she and her whole household were baptized, she urged us, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Let me pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you change lives. We pray This morning, this evening, whenever we're watching this, whenever we're listening to this, God, that you will change us, that you will do a work, God, that only you can do. God, if if we're following you, if we're believers in you, God, help us to identify the people in our lives that need you. And God, help us to have conversations about you with them. So Jesus, we pray over this time together and we thank you for how you moved in each and every single one of our lives. And we pray in your holy name. Amen. Now the hinge verse in the book of Acts, as I've kind of said every week over the last four or five weeks, the hinge verse in the book of Acts is Acts chapter 1 verse 8. When Jesus said to the disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now, I shared the first week that we looked at Acts chapter 1-8 that Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and to the end of the earth formed concentric circles with Jerusalem in the center and going out from there. Now, the last time we were in this series, we were in chapter 8. So we've jumped ahead quite a few chapters. And here in chapter 16, the gospel has continued to spread rapidly, just as Jesus promised it would in Acts chapter 1-8. Now, a man by the name of Saul, Saul was a persecutor of the church. He was a despiser of Christians, came to saving faith in Jesus Christ, and he had his name changed by the Lord to Paul. Saul became Paul. Now you can read about this amazing story in Acts chapter 9, but Paul becomes this significant figure in the growth and the spread of early Christianity, sharing the gospel and starting churches to the end of the earth. See, in Acts chapter 16, we find that Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke, as I said, the writer of the book of Acts, they're in this place called Troas. This is the first time in the book that Luke uses the pronoun we. So at some point, in some point in Paul's journey, you know, he meets up with Luke and Luke joins, Luke joins Paul, Luke joins Timothy, Luke joins Silas in their missionary journeys. Now while in Troas, the Apostle Paul receives a vision. He receives a vision, a dream of a man pleading with him. And in this vision, in this dream, this man is pleading with him saying, listen, cross over, come to Macedonia and help us. So Paul determined that the vision was from the Lord. And the four of them, Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke, set out for Macedonia. Now Macedonia is is kind of in modern day Bulgaria, Romania, Hungary, 
Serbia, kind of mainly this kind of central part of Europe, a place where the gospel, where Jesus had not yet been proclaimed. Now, if you have no idea where that is, just know that the gospel went there kind of for the first time. See, at this point, the message of Jesus is spreading rapidly. When they reached Macedonia, they landed in this city called Philippi. Now, I'd like us to notice verse 13. It says, on the Sabbath day, on the Sabbath day, it says, we went outside the city gate by the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. Now, typically, if you were to read some of the stories prior to Acts 16, whenever Paul showed up in a new city, he would find a Jewish synagogue. He would find a Jewish temple. And there he would worship, and then he would preach about Jesus as the promised coming Messiah. So in Philippi, there were not enough people, there were not enough Israelites, there were not enough Jewish men to organize a temple. So some of the God-fears, it says, met by the river. So as Paul, Silas, Timothy are worshiping and speaking about Jesus, we find that this woman by the name of Lydia is converted. It says a God-fearing woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, was listening. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to what Paul was saying. Now Lydia, we can surmise from this passage, believe it or not, was a wealthy businesswoman. Well, how do we know that? Because her business focused on purple cloth. This is an expensive fabric back in that day. A highly traded item. Even more, when we look at verse 15, we find that her home was large enough to house these four men. Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke. For several days. And we notice too in this passage that she was a God-fearer. See, a God-fearer in that day was a non-Jew that converted to Judaism. So somewhere along the way, Lydia became an Israelite, a converted Jew. Now notice that Paul shared the gospel with her. Now, she knew about God. She knew about the one true God. But she needed more. She needed to know more. She needed Jesus. See, Paul then tells her about Jesus. And as Paul is preaching to her and sharing the gospel with her, having a conversation with her, it says that Jesus, that God opened her heart to respond. You see, that, that's what God does. See, our calling, your calling as a Christian is to share the gospel, to help people know who Jesus is and what he provides, forgiveness of sins and life everlasting. That's your calling, to just simply preach, to tell people about Jesus. It's then his job to help them to respond. See, we can't make people believe. We can't, but God can, and that's what he does. God does the impossible. God makes the impossible possible. He takes dead hearts and makes them alive. You see, Lydia was close to knowing Jesus. She was close. She lived a religious life. She lived a good life. She lived a moral life. But as I said a second ago, she needed more. She needed Jesus. Listen, right now, Christian, wherever you are, wherever you are, you have people in your life like Lydia who are so close 
to knowing Jesus. They know about God, but they need more. They just need someone. They need you to have a conversation with them, to share the gospel with them. And here's what's wild. Following Lydia's conversion, Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke stay in Philippi. Now notice what transpires next. Verse 16. It says, Once, as we were on our way to prayer, it says a slave girl met us who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. Now the English translations do not provide really the the full meaning of what is going on in this passage. In the original language, the text says that the young girl had a spirit of pythona. Pythona. Pythona, you can probably surmise, comes from python. A type of big snake. I hate snakes. I don't know about you, but I hate snakes. The only time I like snakes is from uh, Home Alone, right? Remember that? Home Alone. Snakes. Snakes. I don't know no snakes. I love that. Anyhow, without getting too much into the weeds, though, this passage. Verse 16, the young girl was overcome by this kind of false, demonic spirit. And this false, demonic spirit used her to explain the future. You see, while Lydia was a God-fearer, she's wealthy. Lydia was prominent. This young girl was probably, most scholars believe, was in her mid-teens. She's demon-possessed. And she's also a slave. She had no desire to attend the prayer meeting that Paul and his buddies were going to attend. But she did draw attention to Paul and his buddies. It says in verse 17, as she followed Paul and us, she cried out, These men who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation, these men are the servants of the Most High. You see, the demon-possessed can tell who's following Jesus and who isn't. They recognize Jesus in their midst, and that's what's happening here. And then it says in verse 18 that she did this for several days. So they were going a little crazy with this slave girl following them and just chanting over and over again. They follow the Most High, and and it reminds me when at least my kids were little and they used to just go, Mama, 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 Mommy, Mom. Mommy, mommy, over and over again, and it would drive me absolutely crazy until my wife would snap. Well, that's what happens here. This girl is kind of attracting, uh, she's attracted to the faith. I mean, she's following them. She knows that Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke follow the God of the Most High. But she's also hostile to the Gospel. So she's attracted to them, but she's also hostile towards the Gospel. Now, over the years... I've met a lot of people like this. And I've met a lot of people, even in churches like this, people that are fascinated by Jesus. They're fascinated by the gospel, but they're, but they're disruptive. They're, they're more disruptive than they are receptive to the truth of Jesus Christ. Well, eventually, just like my wife, eventually Paul had enough of her disruptions. And he actually says, it says, Paul was greatly annoyed. Paul was troubled in his spirit. Paul's agitated. He's irritated. 
And he says, turning to the Spirit, Luke said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, Paul said, to come out of her. And it came out of her right away in verse 18, it says. Now I can be, I, I want to just be honest for a second. I love, I love Paul's response here. And I love Paul's response because it's a very human response. And as I've shared many times, if you've been coming to Signal for any length of time, but, but as I've shared, we need to remember that the people in the Bible were real people with real struggles, real temptations, and real people that actually got agitated like Paul did in this situation. Well, what happens is Paul rebukes the Spirit, the young girl was saved, and she became the second member of this young church in Philippi, along with the wealthy woman known as Lydia. Two different people, two different stories, but two people, two different people that needed Jesus. Two people that were radically changed by God. See, the girl, as we read, was a slave. So her owners were a little ticked off when she could no longer tell the future because of the demonic spirit that was in her. So it says when her owners realized that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas. We don't know where Timothy was at this point. We don't know where Luke was at this point. Maybe they were at the market eating some fruit. Who knows? Taco Bell. I have no idea. But they seized Paul. They seized Silas. And they dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. So these couple guys, these thugs, pick up Paul and Silas drag them into the marketplace. From there, Paul and Silas, it says, were stripped. They were beaten with rods. They were severely flogged and thrown into the inner prison. Verse 24. The inner prison was essentially what we might call the box or isolation, solitary confinement. But the worst box in today was far worse then. It was at the bottom of a jail cell, and that's where all of the filth, we'll say, you can let your mind go from there, would run down into this box. So this box, this solitary confinement, is guarded by a highly decorated, wealthy, and prestigious Roman soldier. See, back then, a jailer was in a sense kind of a retired, decorated, wealthy, put-together Roman soldier. So this is kind of his last call, his last command. It was actually kind of a job that was given to the retired Roman soldiers as a attaboy. So here's this decorated, powerful, wealthy Roman soldier guarding Paul and Silas. And what's amazing here is you read this passage in chapter 16. Paul and Silas were beaten, flogged, stripped, all of this stuff, thrown in the prison for no good reason. They didn't pout, they didn't sulk. They didn't make a single excuse. Instead, verse 25, it says that they prayed and they sang hymns. They sang worship songs to God. And the other prisoners, it says, listen to them. Though in prison, they were full of joy. Man, I would love to have a little bit of that in my life. Regardless of the situations and circumstances of life, living for Jesus with joy. Now what occurs next We find the third kind of transformation through the third person in chapter 16. 
It says, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains, all the other prisoners came loose. When the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison standing open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself since he thought the prisoners had escaped. See, the jailer is ready to to kill himself. He's ready to take his own life because the penalty for allowing prisoners to go free to escape was death. So he figured, I don't want to be humiliated that way. I'm going to take my own life. Well, just as he draws his sword to kill himself, Paul shouts to the jailer, don't harm yourself because we're all here. Notice Paul's compassion. Notice his silence. He didn't rebuke the jailer. Go ahead, kill yourself, you jerk. That's what you get for beating me. For throwing me in this dungeon. Paul wasn't silent at all. The jailer is on the verge of suicide and he's humbled. He's humbled before the Lord. He's humbled before Paul and Silas. And he says, sirs, sirs. This hardened Roman soldier said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? He saw the lives that Paul and Silas lived, compassionate, grace-filled, loving lives. He witnessed their kindness and compassion. And even more though, even beyond Paul and Silas, this jailer is amazed by the power, the grace, and the love of God. What must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? And the answer, quite simply, is this. Nothing. Nothing. You see, salvation, life in Christ, is not something you do, but it's something that Jesus has done for you. Jesus lived the perfect life you could never live. Jesus lived the perfect life this jailer could never live. His sins were probably, gosh, through the roof. But Jesus lived the perfect life he could never live. You could never live. He died on the cross for all of your sins, for all of the soldiers, the jailer's sins. Three days later, he rose from the dead to give the jailer life, to give you life. Not only now, but for eternity. See, Paul and Silas shared that message. They shared that message. They shared the gospel with the jailer, it says, and his family. What must must I do to be saved? Paul said to him, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus. They spoke the word of the Lord to him along with everyone in his house. The jailer and his family believed. And it says all of them were baptized. Three stories. Three different people transformed by Jesus. These three people start this first church in Philippi. A wealthy woman. A former slave teenage girl. And a hardened, transformed Roman soldier. So now I just want to close with just a few thoughts here. Do you know Jesus? 
Do you know Jesus? Are you following Jesus? Do you believe in him? See, maybe, maybe you're like Lydia before she met Jesus. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're religious, maybe even a little spiritual, but you're not following Jesus Christ. You're not following the Messiah, the Lord, the Savior. He is the way, the truth, and the life, he says in John 14, 16. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, we read this a few weeks ago. There is salvation in no one else. There's salvation in no one else but Jesus, except Jesus. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Life and salvation are not found in being a good person and being religious or in being a rule follower. Life and salvation are found in following and in believing in Jesus Christ. Now maybe you're like the young girl. Maybe you're like the young girl before she was changed. Reckless. Overwhelmed by your sin. Maybe your own sin. Maybe the sin that someone else has brought on you. Whatever it is, you're, you're overwhelmed by it. Jesus said in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives to be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. And the time of the Lord's favor, He said, has come. So if you want freedom, if you want to be set free, The time of the Lord's favor has come. Freedom is found in Jesus Christ. Only He can release you from the weight and the burden of your sin. Maybe you're like the jailer. You have it all, but you're still wondering. You're still wandering. There's got to be more to life. See, as I said, this jailer, man, he would have seen it all. He would have had it all. He's got his retirement digs, man. He's just sitting by a jail cell, making sure nobody escapes, collecting his retirement check. See, Jesus gives, and he gives, and he gives. He said in the Gospel of John, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty again. John 6.35 So you might be searching for more. Just like the jailer, your more is found in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Well, maybe maybe you're a Christ follower. Maybe you are a Christian. You believe in Jesus Well, who in your life is like Lydia? Religious but needs Jesus. Who in your life is like the slave girl? Reckless, full of sin, lost, confused. Needs Jesus. Who in your life is like the jailer? You know, they have it all. They're doing well. They need Jesus. Are you praying for them? Are you having Christ-centered, gospel-focused conversations with them? Do they know that Jesus Christ has changed your life and can change their life too? Do they know? 
See, here at Signal Church, at this church, at our church, we want to be a place that's characterized by all sorts of people. And all sorts of people, all kinds of different people that know they need Jesus, that are striving to follow Him. Maybe questioning, maybe doubting, but regardless, they want to know God. They want to be about Him. See, everyone needs the grace and the transformation that only He provides. We want to be a church here that helps people to know, that helps people to know Jesus, and that helps people to take that next step and to follow Jesus. And that next step, and that next step, and that next step. And a church that continues to help people to follow and follow and follow Jesus, to know Him more and more and more. Will you join me and help our church proclaim the name and the fame of Jesus Christ in Connecticut and in this world? Let me pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. And thank you that you are good and gracious and kind and that you save sinners like me. You save sinners like Lydia. You save sinners like the slave girl. You save sinners like the jailer. God, we pray that you will do more and more and more for your glory, God, and for our benefit. Thank you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. Well, right now, uh, we're going to share... Uh, an awesome video that our friends at Berea, Camp Berea in Hebron, New Hampshire, uh, put together. So we hope you enjoy this. Use this video as a prayer, as a benediction, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you so much again for joining us.